Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Ryan Wong joins me this morning to break down all the market action. Ryan, if you were to celebrate a day that was all about culture and the arts, what, what, what is the one thing you'd do? I guess the art of eating sushi would be the top of mine. <laughs> when you think about Japan, you can't run away from sushi. So that's going to be on my to-do list today. Oh, that's you? a good one. Yeah. Um... I don't know, because honestly, my headspace is filled with... I'm going to be meeting some supply chain professionals, right, soon. Mm-hmm. So I'm pr- trying to practice my, you know, introduction. Uh, can, can I try something out? All right. It? Is it in Japanese? Right. It's not in Japanese. Nothing to do with Japan. I just made a segue. Um, <laughs> so how many supply chain professionals does it take to change a light bulb? How many supply chain professionals does it take to change your light bulb? One? None. The, the light bulbs were late. What? (laughs) Okay, okay, I get it now. All right, jokes aside, let's start the morning with breaking news. Sam Bankman-Fried, the former CEO of the bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange FTX, has been found guilty of seven counts of fraud after a month-long trial in which Bankman-Fried took the stand. In his own defense, a jury determined that Bankman-Fried cheated customers and investors of at least 10 billion US dollars. What's the latest, Ryan? Yeah, I'm not sure if anyone should be surprised. He has been found guilty. So a New York jury has convicted him of fraud in a scheme that has seen lots of people and monies being involved. So the latest I saw was at least $10 billion of monies being cheated from customers and investors. So a very damning sort of um, statement coming through from the assistant US attorney. And he it says his crimes caught up to him. His crimes have been exposed. And this is pretty much Sam Bankman-Free taking all the customer monies, using it as his personal PE bank to do whatever he wants to invest in, to spend on his shopping. No, it's just been so crazy. It's being described as one of the biggest financial frauds in American history. And this is being described as another U.S. attorney as a multi-billion dollar scheme designed to make Sam Bankman-Free the king of crypto. So, not a good day for Sam Bankman-Free who now faces up to 115 years in jail. It was just amazing for me to, you know, watch this trial unfold over three days. And, you know, Bankman-Fried's um, own naivete, is it naivete or conviction in his own innocence of, of something that he made up in his mind, mm. that he insisted he never meant to commit fraud, insisted that he didn't realize his companies were, were that deep in the whole $10 million, billion. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Fairly recently, yeah. Is it? Him being naive or is it part of his playbook just to play innocent? And no, that's the last, I guess, card he has because all the evidence does point to him being involved, all the group chats of him saying, do this, do that. No, it all points to him being involved. So it's very tough to argue against it. I Mm. suppose that was him clutching at straws. Well, the people have spoken. Bankman Freed found guilty on every fraud charge brought against him. Prosecutors relied heavily on testimonies of three former members of Bankman Freed's inner circle, including his ex-girlfriend, Caroline Ellison, to explain how Bankman Freed siphoned off billions of dollars from FTX customer 
accounts. What stands out for you when you look at this case? Yeah, what stands out for me is of course um, the scale of it. So I was trying to think who would come to mind in recent history that might match him. Of course, the first name is Bernie Madoff. Mm. And he was found guilty of treating people over decades to the tune of $20 billion. And he was sentenced to 150 years in prison. So we could be in for something similar. Of course, Madoff did die in prison uh, about two years ago. So it is going to be a very tough time for his parents, I imagine. Of course, Sam Beckman Frieda as well. But I think for the wider crypto community, I suppose it is if you find or try to find a silver lining, a wake-up call for everyone involved to do tougher due diligence and it wasn't just you know your retail folks your mums and pops it was a lot of big financial institutions including Tomasic who got involved and it really you know just reminds us that you have to look very closely beyond the promises beyond the pretty presentations beyond the personality into the fundamentals of the business before you put your money in. It comes down to due diligence and risk assessment. Uh, Stay tuned to find out how much jail time Bankman Freed will be sentenced to. But early indications, uh, the 31-year-old could be sentenced to spend the rest of his life like Madoff behind bars. We turn now to corporate news and to a company that has a market valuation of 2.7 trillion US dollars. Does that hint give it all away? Well, I'm sure you're using one of their products right now, actually. I'm talking about Apple, whose stock performance this year accounts for a large chunk of the S&P 500's gains. Uh, Apple released its third quarter earnings this morning after the market's close. How is it doing? Yeah, it is a bit mixed. So you've got some things good, some things not so good. So let's start with good news first. Okay. And you have money coming in for its you know, major product, iPhone. So that's good. Uh, revenue is pretty okay, but it's not okay if you look at it percentage-wise. It's down 1% in that quarter. Mm-hmm. And that means for the year, it's down 3%. And that means it is the first time since 2019 that the annual figure for sales is down. So you have that prospect. Um, So the bright spot is services was a good part of the Apple business. The stuff that you have with iCloud, the Apple Arcade, Apple Music, that sort of recurring revenue is still doing well for Apple. Uh, But the not so good parts are the iPads, the Macs. The Macs, for example, are down over 30% in terms of sales. Um, China also being flagged as a bit of a potential weakness for it down the road. So you've got a couple of, um, I guess, good and bad parts for Apple in this current quarter. Yeah, on the one hand, their overall sales fell for the fourth straight quarter, Apple. So that's not good. But the top and the bottom line numbers have still come in above expectations. And there are indications that the sales of the latest iPhone have started strong. So I guess the next question is, what is the outlook looking forward for Apple, even as we enter the holiday season? Yeah, talking about the latest iPhone, so iPhone 15, for this quarter that was reported only um, contributed about one week of sales. So maybe that iPhone 15 effect could be seen in the next quarter in a bigger fashion. So going forwards, uh, there are some worries that we might see China being a headwind. Of course, we've been following the headlines um, very closely and that involves around how the government has been putting a bit of pressure on Apple uh, in terms of how civil servants, government workers are not supposed to use Apple iPhones. So in terms of headlines, 
reactions at least uh, that's been putting some pressure on the share price so something to watch out for mm-hmm. at the same time increased competition when you look at the other um, smartphone makers like Oppo Huawei Xiaomi is not getting any easier for the iPhone maker so that's another challenge for it to break into um, I guess more market share in China so you have that backdrop against the ongoing question will people want to spend more as they face higher costs of living and also all the other things they might want to spend on so you've got that going on for Apple so a bit of a sluggish expectations for the next quarter as of right now I can't imagine replacing my Apple phone with anything else but an Apple yeah and then the question is when you replace it that could be a bit of a longer stretch down the road that's true. Apple released its profit numbers after the closing bell on Wall Street. In extended hours trade, Apple is trading down about 3.5%. Let's continue with our earnings watch with, and I think you're getting used to the drill, three companies from three very different industries, but who taken together can provide insight into the state of the economy and markets. So for today's journey, I stopped off, bought myself a little luxury, a gingerbread latte um, on the way in here, where I found myself pondering the role of big data in our lives. Yes, our three companies focus on a company that sells coffee, petrol, and data. They're Starbucks, Shell, and Palantir. So how are they doing? Let's start with some Starbucks coffee. Starbucks crushing it. Look at that. The world's most famous coffee chain grossed more than 9.3 billion US dollars during the third quarter of the year. Its same store sales, which is a key metric Mm. for this industry, jumped 8%. So aside from the caffeine, what is powering Starbucks (laughs) business? Yeah, you've got a couple of things going for Starbucks. So one is people are spending more per per visit. So that is to the tune of, at least in the US and North American sales, up 8% uh, or a 6% when you look at the average check size. The traffic to those stores up 2%. Outside North America, that's driven mainly by more customer visits. So we have sales, same store sales outside North America up 5%. So all in a pretty good quarter for Starbucks. Uh, also, Helping to provide some tailwinds is some of the new menu items as we head towards the holiday season. We had the, for example, the pumpkin spice latte going into the Halloween festivities. And I imagine more Christmas drinks will power more visits down the road. So looking good for Starbucks, which is forecasting an expansion plan Mm. for 2024 to Mm. see its global footprint up 7%. And the U.S., that footprint will be up 4% and in China to climb 13%. Optimistic numbers. Apparently, so-called affordable luxuries are in, which is good news for Starbucks, right? Even though its prices are rising. Speaking of rising, Starbucks shares jumped 10% overnight. Next up, let's look at the British oil giant Shell. It made more money in the third quarter of the year than it did in the second, but its profits are down sharply from a year earlier. Shell netted 6.2 billion US dollars from the period July to September. That is in line with expectations. Shell release another piece of news mm-hmm. though. Sure to bring some holiday cheer to investors. What is Shell's surprise? Yeah, I imagine you drove to Starbucks as well. So that's the petrol side <laughs> of the story. So 
The third quarter earnings came in line with expectations. Margins, refining margins were higher, so making more profits. Uh, and this also saw strong LNG trading, liquefied natural gas trading. So all in a pretty good quarter as well. And the company announced share buybacks to the tune of $3.5 billion. So that's going to do some way towards lifting or supporting share prices. Dividend was unchanged at 3.31 cents, so rather 30.31 cents. So that's good news for investors as well. So all in looking good for Shell. Yes, it is a good look. High oil prices certainly boosting Shell's profits and the British oil company wants to share more of the wealth, so to speak, with investors. So it's launching that 3.5 billion US dollar share buyback plan. Shares of Shell rallied on the news, closing up more than 4%. Our next stock in focus, you remember what I did after, you know, my latte, I mm. sat and pondered. So I'm looking at big data company Palantir. Uh, Palantir, Palantir is best known for its defense and intelligence work with the U.S. government. It actually builds software that enables organizations to create and govern artificial intelligence. I'm going to guess times are good for Palantir now, are they? Yeah, if you just look around you, you've got folks involved in disputes across borders, you know, people trying to spy on each other and yeah. analyze data. So a lot of foreign intelligence service uh, services use Palantir stuff. So you can only imagine this means more business for Palantir. Uh, so far, it is paying off. If you look at the US commercial revenue, that's up 33%. And customer count in the US is also up from 132 to 181. So more business for Palantir means more money. And if you look at the expectations, they expect that momentum to continue. Uh, expects to report between 599 million to 603 million in the fourth quarter. It's also raised its revenue guidance for the full year to up to 2.22 billion. So looking good for Palantir as we see the current conflicts continue. Yep, this is the fourth straight quarter of good news for Palantir, which means it is now eligible for inclusion in the S&P 500. Palantir shares dropped, popped, popped more than 50% the other direction on the back of its earnings report, as well as news that the company is now eligible uh, for the S&P 500. So I think you can expect to see more funds purchase Palantir stock. If that happens, let's take a step back. What lessons do you draw from these latest earnings, right? Yeah, so my takeaway is that you have some companies being able to benefit from the ongoing, uh, I guess, backdrop of what's going on. Like, like conflicts, you've got Palantir that's benefiting them to some extent. And also, you've got the fundamentals around Starbucks also benefiting. So we've got the seasonal menu items that's driving some of the business to Starbucks. And for Shell, uh, that is a strong company just getting stronger. So mm. I take away from the current wave of earnings that you have strong companies just being stronger. So just look for some of these folks with good modes, so to speak. And it should be able to be a good part of anyone's portfolio. If you look at some of these people who are able to pay you dividends, are able to buy back shares, people with a strong cash pile, and won't be able to get much headwinds in the terms of competition. So that's uh, something I'm looking at. Starbucks, Shell, Palantir don't really have 
strong competitors in that sense. It's not that saturated. So I am looking at these type of companies. Interesting. Interesting overview. I want to check in on broader US markets now where Wall Street is on its way to its best week of 2023. Stocks rallied overnight and hopes that the interest rate hike cycle has reached its zenith. The 500 S&P 500 jumped 1.9%. The Nasdaq and Dow Jones Industrial Average not far behind. Investors also keeping that close eye on US Treasury notes. The yield on the 10-year note, by the way, fell to six point no 4.67% overnight. A lower yields, of course, good for stocks. Time now for corporate news and our daily game, up or down style. We're going to focus on four local companies bringing it home with Fraser's property. Yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be a down for me. And it's been something I've been quite curious about, right? A lot of companies have been trying to offset or become greener by offsetting their carbon emissions by buying carbon credits. So now Fraser's property is part of this story due to its Australian unit buying some of these credits. And then now the seller of these credits is part of an investigation, are these really green enough? Mm. So that is throwing up a lot of question marks whether these le- um, credits are legit. And then in turn, are uh, Fraser's Properties declarations to what's you know, becoming more carbon neutral and so on, are they accurate? So for me, it's going to be a down for Fraser's Property as it gets dragged into this entire saga uh, around what's called the Kariba Project in Australia. That's it. So one of the company's units, Fraser's Property, bought credits from this project in Zimbabwe that is now under investigation for selling worthless emission credits. The scheme was intended to reforest a vast tract of land in northern Zimbabwe, but the New Yorker ran a piece recently demonstrating that the project has not delivered what it promised. That is a down for Fraser's Property, as well as for the carbon trading industry. This morning, let's look at SingPost, Ryan. All right, SingPost is going to be an up for me, mm-hmm. and this is coming off the back of actually, interestingly, better than expected earnings, and it is also coming off recent news that we've had to, I guess, accept higher postage services. Uh, so SingPost returns to profit with first half earnings of eleven point five million dollars after seeing a loss the year before of nearly $10 million. It's back in the black for SingPost. Uh, look at that, right? $11.5 million in the last quarter, thanks in part to lower expenses. I understand. SIA Engineering, let's take a look at how it's doing. Yeah, doing pretty okay. And this is rebounding with the travel sector. So revenue is up 41.9%. And if you look at the profit, it's up 82.6%. So mm. doing pretty good. And of course, riding the wave of travel and hospitality. So it is looking promising for SIAEC. Definitely an up. SIA Engineering's business is doing well on the back of a rebound in the travel sector. Let's look at Keppel Infrastructure Trust. All right, KIT or Keppel Infrastructure Trust is going to be an up for me because they are nearly doubling their nine-month distributable income. And this is to the tune of 2.33% or rather, they are going to pay out a special distribution as well of 2.33 cents. So all in, good news for shareholders. You've got KIT doing well, supported by new acquisitions and successful value creation strategy. 
Good news. If you're a Keppel Infrastructure Trust unit holder, the REIT is nearly doubling its payout to investors. All right. Our last word today belongs to Thailand's wealthiest families. According to a survey by Switzerland's Bank Lombard Odier, high net worth individuals in Thailand are the happiest in the region. Do you want to guess which wealthy families are the least happy? Yeah, I would imagine somewhere close to home where there's more stress that people have to deal with. (laughs) It is. Singapore's rich are the most unhappy in Asia. Apparently, it's work-life balance that's coming to play. They don't have much of it. Yeah, so money can't buy happiness in that sense. So work-life balance, I'm looking at this survey. It says these guys, these rich guys, are working 45 hours per week. So I guess... Is that a five-day week? Yeah, it's a, I suppose a five-day week. And then the question, how do they actually count the you know, stuff that you do during dinners, checking your messages over the phone, yeah. and the emails that you might have to send late at night? Those sort of, in, I guess, hard to count um, hours. Yeah, that's the thing. The internet means you're always accessible. Someone sends you a WhatsApp and you have to respond immediately. So that line is getting more blurred than ever. I like that, right? You have declared definitively the answer to that age-old question. Can money buy happiness? Maybe you need more money. More, more. I think that's what they're on the, uh, you know, they're on that uphill treadmill. Uh, We'll get there one day doesn't feel good. Singapore ha- does have the longest working hours per week of the 10 countries surveyed, 45 hours. Yeah. Doesn't sound like much, right? Yeah. You hours. look happy, Michelle, so I'm happy for you. Thank you. I'm happy for you too. Happy Culture Day. Right? <laughs> Enjoy your sushi. Happy Friday. <laughs> Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.